Welcome to Co-Pilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows don't have the best pilot episode, and given that second chance, might just change your mind. Here we take that chance for you, and let you know our opinion on if a show deserves more than one shot. I'm Justice. Alongside me is my co-pilot, Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this time will be... Space Force. So, Space Force is a Netflix original series from, like, what, 2019? Something like that? It's from 2020. 2020. The actual Space Force is from 2019. It was founded, the United States Space Force was founded in the year 2019 by our illustrious former president, Donald Trump, with his very catchy tagline of Boots on the Moon by 2024. Sempre Supra? Sempre Supra. I still think they could have a better fucking tagline than Always Above. Like bad I, I don't. One of the one of the biggest operations that the space force has been involved with so far has been essentially a satellite spy net over America to spy on Americans. Sempre Supra makes so much sense when you look at it that way. I guess, I, but I think if you're talking about like space, I think arguably always out or always outwards would be better. No, it should be something like always above and always watching. No, that's <laughs> NSA's motto. <laughs> But the Space Force, the show, is a Netflix original from 2020 that makes fun of the concept of a Space Force. And just the current geopolitical climate at the time of the writing. So, you know. And it is written and created partially by Steve Carell, who's going to be our main character in the show. You know what I've just realized, though, based because of the show? What? And I've seen it in at least one other show. The new, like, shorthand for currently having a terrible president in a fiction show is that they use either text messages yeah. or internet posts to convey all of their important declarations. It's almost like we had a president who actually did that. Yes, but I love that that's now become a shorthand. Yeah. That's the best thing Trump gave us. Yeah. Other than the small hands memes. Yeah, but we already had those because of Arby's. <laughs> and he just revived them. Fair enough. So, like you said, Space Force stars Steve Carell, and the show opens on Steve Carell's character, General Naird, being promoted from a three-star general to a four-star general, and being made a head of a service branch. That's what it's called, a head yeah, of service. Yeah, he gets to become the head of some service branch, and we are led to believe, as you see at the very beginning of this, that he is probably going to be the new head of the Air Force, because that is what he is currently serving in, and assumedly what he's being promoted up within. After he gets promoted, we meet his wife and daughter, who are just like, wow, this is a really lackluster award ceremony thing going on here they're like yeah when you got like three star in the room maybe yeah when you got three star there were like a hundred people we had musical guests it was in a big nice place to which general near just like that was a uh, different less chaotic regime yeah that was a different regime better organized and such so the Nair gets pulled from that meeting because he has a speech that he's giving and it just keeps getting rushed through yeah because he has his first joint chiefs of staff meeting which is where all the heads of service, along with the Secretary of Defense and ostensibly normally the President, yes. meet. Yeah. And so he joins them. He gets into a brief altercation with the current head of the Air Force, who he assumes he is going to be replacing. And they kind of bicker. The other guy tries to make fun of him for being a three-star general. He's just like, you mean four-star general? I just got promoted. Enjoy your retirement. Kick is the other general's name. Yes. And I'm currently pulling at the cast real fast because I recognize this actor. Yes, I always recognize him, but he's one of the actors I can never remember the name of. Noah Emmerich. That's his name. Yeah. So we follow Nerd and Kick into the joint staff meeting where we meet the other heads of the military branches. And they, for the most part, are all pretty well-known actors. Jane Lynch, Patrick Warburton. Steve Carell, Noah Emmerich. I don't remember... (laughs) 
the guy who's playing the Coast Guard. But there's a joke about him because in this meeting, narrative confused as why Kick is still here because he's like, well, I'm a four-star general now. I assume he's retired. But the Secretary of Defense says, well, we're all here because the president has a new policy he's going to be announcing in like five minutes on Twitter. That is the creation of the Space Force. And to which he then says the mod- the plan is to be boots on ground in 2024. and Boots on the moon in 2024. Yeah. And Nair's like chuckling under his breath about it. And then he gets told he's going to be the new head of Space Force. Yeah. And this scene has a bunch of actually hilarious jokes. Yeah. Really good like one-liners and retorts. The head of Coast Guard at one point says, "At least we're not the, at the bottom anymore, or not, not, the, not at the back of the line anymore." Well, yeah, there's a part where uh, after it's announced that Nair's going to be the head of Space Force, it's then announced that he is supposed to work closely with Kick. But Kick's response to all this is, "This is bullshit. Space is part of the air. Nair works for me." To which Jane Lynch, the head of the Navy, goes, "Hang on, I don't think there's air in space." To which Kick's just like, "There's certainly no fucking water, so you don't get an opinion." <laughs> So then Warburton, who should be in charge of just the straight-up army, is just like, look, the Air Force, I think the Army. Marine. I don't know. There's Marines, Army. Yeah, I don't know. Warburton was probably... Warburton was Marines. I don't remember okay. who was Army. The Army guy is just like, Air Force, you should be part of the Army, kick. I'd like to stuff you both back in. And then Warburton, who's in charge of the Marines, because I, re- I remember this line from him, is, uh, if there's no air or water... Uh, Two questions. What is it exactly? And two, it's invisible, right? Something along the, along those lines, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Coast Guard's like, well, at least I'm no longer on the bottom. And I was like, eat shit. Yeah, you are. You're be- And then the Secretary of Defense says, you're still below the Salvation Army. And then they kind of like zoom out of the meeting and that's the end of that. Cut back to Steve Carell's house that night. Yeah. And he's laying in bed with his, next to his wife. Who is played by Lisa Kudrow. Phoebe from Friends, if anybody doesn't yeah. recognize the name. And she is crying and... She's not crying yet. Okay, sorry. She's asking him if he's okay with everything. Because apparently he's really inflexible. So she's like, I can be flexible if ordered. But she's like, well, you wanted to be the head of the Air Force. And now you're in the Space Force. And like, I know you have a hard time adjusting this stuff. And he's like, well, you know, at first I was pretty upset. But then I was like, I'm going to be the first head of the Space Force. I'm going to be the founder of the Space Force. It's a really good opportunity. And I think if we do it right, it can be really, really good. And she's like, yeah, it's going to be really hard to, like, find space for it, though. Because, like, there's not a lot of room and property is really expensive outside of D.C. And he's like, yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of places available. And she's like, not really. He's like, well, there is. We'll definitely be outside of D.C. About 2,000 miles. There's an old NORAD facility that looks promising in Colorado. And then she starts crying. And so, and then we jump forward a year. Yes. And he's at a gas station getting coffee for the morning. Yep. And the, the clerk at the gas station's like, heard about the big launch today, eh? Yeah? Well, what launch? And the, the, the clerk's like, oh yeah, sorry, I forgot it's a secret. You have to kill me if you told me about it, right? And then he smiles, and we leave the scene, and he's driving his car into work. Yeah. And um, he- um, spoiler, he put the guy in his trunk, and that is going to end up in jail later. <laughs> That's what that was. Okay. Yeah, we, he, we saw him later I, when we went down there. Yeah, I, I just I didn't piece those together. Okay. Yeah, he kidnapped the guy. Definitely <laughs> amazing. But Nerd arrives, and once he gets to his desk, his secretary is like, "So heard the launch is off for the day, or am I missing something again?" Yeah, he's something about that. Because like he shows up, and his secretary Brad is just going through everything. He's like, "The delegation will be here to speak to you, the Congress." Oh yeah, he doesn't mention anything with the launch being off here. That's my bad. Yeah, yeah, the congressional delegation will be here. But you had a light morning, so I suggest we start with the gym. It's supposed to be a leg day today, and then he goes to head into his office, and then we see someone laying there, and he goes, "Oh, and Doctor Mallory is here." He told me not to say anything. Yeah, and Dr. Mallory is John Malkovich. He's the head scientist for the Space Force. I, I love John Malkovich. He's 
always fun in what he's in. I think there's been a few roles where it doesn't feel like there needs to be a John Malkovich character in said movie, but he he's fun here. ABC Murders was made good because of him. Yeah. That show would have been boring with another lead actor. Yeah, no, like, Malkovich always does really, really well. There are just sometimes where my brain goes, I don't know if we need a, a Malkovich character in this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Malkovich's character, Dr. Adrian Mallory, um, is like, so we're going to be canceling the launch today. It's too wet. And Ned's like, no, I'm the one who decides the stuff gets canceled. And they're kind of going back and forth. And the entire time, Mallory is just being like, I don't know why I hired you. And it's like, I hired you. You you, you don't have a say here. And then Mallory's like, I don't want to bring your rank, but... And you're just like, you're a civilian contractor. Look, if you keep going on like this, we're going to really have to reconsider your employment here. Who's the we you're talking about? Yeah. And so they end up arguing about it a bit. It's above your pay grade. Yeah. Mallory leaves and Nerd goes to step out somewhere. And Brad, his secretary, is like, so I heard we scrubbed the launch today. And he's like, no, only I can scrub things. To which his secretary is just like, oh, I don't remember who, what name he said. The but head biologist. Yeah. He, the, yeah. So he's like, I'm going to let her. Her name is Leslie. I'm going to let Leslie know because I, I told her we didn't, we scrubbed it. I'll let her know that here ago she has to clear all 6,000, 60,000. It's some number of like feet around the launch zone yeah I remember how- of it of endangered lizards which is a thing actually that a lot of launch zones have to do by regulation technically they're supposed to make sure that the area around their launch sites are safe and secure especially considering if there's endangered animals around well also you really don't want like a lizard crawling up into your yeah like six billion dollar space shuttle yeah so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and ruin something for you everyone there's a bunch of oh will we do this launch we won't do this launch type of stuff going on on this episode so there's just this constant thing of it being mentioned and then Brad will have to call Leslie to once again tell her she has to get the lizards off. Yeah, I mean, we can actually just run through all this very fast because there's not like, there's a lot of comedy, but like the yeah. plot is simple. The plot is they can't launch the rocket, so Naird has to figure out something else that they can show the Congress people that are, yeah. that are coming. So they've been working on a anti-missile, an anti-satellite missile. Yeah, and it's called a Yellow Jacket. So they go to test that and it blows up on the pad. Pretty badly. There's a really good joke here though where he's like, where Naird's like, how much did that cost? And the guy next to him goes, four. And Naird's like, oh, four million? Okay. No, four middle schools. Ah, fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah. I, uh, so I always know I enjoy Steve Carell. Like, he, he is a good comedy actor. Yeah. But it's only, it's only in these roles where he's actually more of a serious character, like Goofball, which he's done a lot. Where, like, he has great delivery for, like, it, it's going to sound like, he has great delivery for singular use at a time cuss words. Like, the way he always delivers them is great. Uh, like, I think it's called Date Night, the movie he did with Tina Fey. Yeah, it's like, a, a decade ago now. I will never not, like, remember him yelling, kill shot. He's turned, it's, he turned it sideways. Kill shot, kill shot. Yeah. Like that, that's one of his, I love that movie, even though it's bad. That movie's terrible. Yeah. But he, him and Tina Fey, like, make that movie. Yeah. Before he went to do this, though, we do get an introduction, because he turns back around in his office after confronting Brad, because mm-hmm. he like, walks off a bit and then comes right back. And... Brad just goes, after he opens the door, he goes, oh, um, Bobby's in there. Fun fact, Brad, very, very bad secretary, will let anyone into Nared's office as long as they tell him not to tell Nared. Yeah, so anybody can basically be like, hey, I'm here to see Nared. I know he's not here right now. Just, I'll be waiting in his office. Don't tell him anything. Yeah, so he walks into the office and we see a man behind his desk, honestly looking more at like the computer tower, which is always the classic. And the guy stands up immediately, which is kind of a shorthand to be like, oh, he's snooping, you know? Yeah. And this is Yuri, but he prefers to be called Bobby because it's 
it's uh, it's more relatable. Yuri is Russian. Yes. But as Yuri will continually remind uh, Nerd, the president is making very good relations with Russia. We are friends. He would like to make sure that they are on good terms. And while they're there, Yuri requests that Nerd show him the fuel pump for the rocket. The Epsilon 6 rocket. He gives its long, full technical name. And he's just like, why why would I do that? Why do you need to see it? I would just like to observe it. I'm here in an observational capacity from the International Space Station. And I would like to observe it. And Nerd's like, well, when the president tells me to let you observe it, I'll do it then. And he's like, okay, look out for a message from your secret phone. He's like, what do you mean secret phone? I I said nothing about a secret phone. And this is where, like, when Nerd first entered the room, he was like, what are you doing, Yuri? And Yuri's like, "Uh, do you have any mints? Yeah, I was looking for breath mints. Um, But, like, he's like, I didn't say secret phone. Uh, Actually, I found my mints. See, tiny mints. Pops some mints and walks out of the room. Yeah. But then Nerd has a speech to give at the local high school before his meeting with the Congress people. Yeah. So he takes a helicopter to the local high school where he's giving a speech about joining the Space Force and how for four years of service in the Space Force, you could get $35,000 yeah, to college. Like, well, actually, right after Yuri is when he does the Yellow Jacket thing that we mentioned, mm, yes. which had like a fun interaction with like the army liaison, the guy who was doing the yeah, Yellow Jacket. Yeah, yeah. And it really just goes to illustrate that Nerd's frustrated at the idea because like he's walking very fast. The guy calls him out and running. He's like, no. Then after the Yellow Jacket thing, he is legitimately running and the guy's struggling to keep up. But then we do the, yeah, the speech at the school. Yeah, we got those flip flopped. You said that. So he goes to high school. He's giving the speech. Most all the kids are like insanely bored because the only good thing about speeches by like military people or by any the only good thing about like speeches that are mandatory for attendance is that you get you out of class. Yeah. Nobody cares about a recruitment officer essentially coming in and being like, this is why you should join. I mean, there's a few people, but I honestly don't believe like very. It's a bad time. Uh, so he talks about how their job is to get people on the moon by 2024, blah, 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 blah. We already put people there before, but now we're going to occupy it. And eventually we're going to Mars. Yeah. His daughter's there. She's cringing in the background. So the speech ends. People start filing out. Two guys who uh, are made to look more stereotypically redneck slash jockey, I would say. Say they'll join up. Yeah. I don't know if it's meant to be a joke or not. No, they were like legitimately interested yeah. the entire time. We cut back and forth between them a couple of times. So he says he'll see them, whatever. And then his daughter walks up and asks for a hundred bucks because she's going to a party in the desert tonight with Bobby. A pop-up concert. Yes, a pop-up concert in the desert with Bobby. And he's like, Bobby who? And she's like, you know him, you work with him. And he's like, Bobby? Who, 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 Wait, you're... He's 10 years older than you in Russian. And then she's like, well, I guess if you won't give me $100, I'll just have to rely on Bobby for everything. I'll do whatever he says for money. And she's like, I'll talk to your mother about it. And then we cut to him talking to her mother. Yeah, but I would like to point out, we missed a scene in the office. Oh, did we? Because we did that whole other people in his office thing a bit. So after the Yuri thing, he leaves for some fucking reason, comes back. Yeah, so it was, he meets Mallory, goes to the gym, comes back, meets Yuri, goes to the, do the yellow jacket thing, comes back, and we meet Brad, the guy in charge of his Twitter. I thought Brad was his secretary. Not Brad. You're right, not Brad. Uh, but we meet the guy in charge of his, in charge of his Twitter. Oh, yes. He gets fired. Yes, he's played by Ben Schwartz, and I think Ben Schwartz is a great comedian. There's actually, in my opinion, if you like improv, which I know a lot of people don't, which is sad because improv is good, there is a show on Netflix called Middle Edition Schwartz where they just kind of do improv on stage. They might have a suggestion for where we are right now. We could take suggestions. We're in a cockpit. Ah, yes. Uh, Does anyone have any suggestion for what we're supposed to be doing at the moment? Like, just like a general thing some people kind of do. Singing a mamba. Did I hear someone say podcast? Let's go with that. Yeah, that that tracks. We're both white guys. We're in a cockpit and we're doing a podcast. Okay, okay. Um, You know what I think our podcast should be about? Space. 
Force. Uh, I was going to say driving semis through interstellar space portals. I heard Space Force. Okay. Yeah, so I just think he's a fun comedian, but he's here and he is the general's Twitter handler, basically. He seems to be doing a lot of like he's public a, relations. He's a social media manager is what he yeah, is. Because he also, we learn in the next episode, has done it for other important members of the Space Force. <laughs> I just love the way your neck twitched at the idea of that being an important member of space. Force. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he shows the general the tweet he's supposed to do, and the general's like, "This is dumb. How does this relate to anything we're doing?" Because it was just cultural jokes. The, and stuff. the tweet was something along the lines of, "If I had access to a lightsaber, I would cook a Burger King burger so that it was well done." Well, Wendy's, because they said Wendy's had a rare burger that you could get. No, it was Burger King, but he miss he misquotes it later. Yeah. At, okay. At dinner. Yeah. But yeah, there's that, and he's like, "This is dumb. We're not really doing anything." So he fires short whose name I do not know in in the realm of the show. And then as... He, I don't know his name either. It's yeah. like Ben Schwartz or something. And then as he's walking to leave, someone, he looks around and goes, we sh- someone should lock, we should lock him up before the launch day so he can't tweet anything mean or spiteful. So, so we see him walking down the hallway, angrily drafting a tweet, and there's just two guys in fatigues walk up and what, grab him, rip the phone out of his hands. The one says to the other guy, make sure to get the phone. Yeah. And so they grab the phone out of his hand, and as they're dragging him around the corner, he's just yelling, Siri! Siri, send tweet! Send tweet! Okay, so then he goes to the high school. Yes, and then he, after the high school and dealing with his daughter, he goes to meet his wife. Who is currently in prison. I don't know what she's in prison for. Nope, no idea. But I, I have to believe what happened was she was so upset about moving to Colorado that she decided being in prison is better than being out of prison in Colorado. I don't know what she did. She said she's going to be there for a long time. Yeah. Uh, because he gets in this conversation and he's just like, how are you? She's like, I'm fine. I'm making, I'm growing radishes in a little window box. And then they ask, she asks about her daughter. And he's like, she wants to go to a pop-up concert in the desert. With this Russian guy who's 10 years older than her. And I'm pretty sure he's just using her to get information. She's like late teens, early 20s. That's when we all make mistakes. It's fine. We have to learn from our own stuff. Luis, which is her prison guard, says sometimes you can't control everything, so you kind of just have to lean back and let it happen. Which is kind of worrying based on, like, the relationship Luis actually has over her, but yeah. yeah. And so he kind of just sighs, and then we see him being flown back to base. But he's running late, so he yells at his his new pilot to land the helicopter where she's not allowed to. Yes. And she's like, I can't do that. It's only 100 yards further. It'll be okay. The Congress people shouldn't be too worried if you're a minute late to your meeting fun fact they are annoyed that he is about a minute late to his meeting when he gets there mm-hmm. but when he gets out of the helicopter he's like you're on thin ice thin, thin ice. ice captain and so he he runs across the campus of this yeah. space force base and gets to a very nice dining cafeteria area. I don't know. I assume it's probably for upper officers, given how nice it is, but it also seems to be directly well, attached to the base. There's also a lot of civilians on the base still because, like, yeah. they're doing, they're still doing construction stuff, so. Mm-hmm. But there's three senators. Yes. A older lady who I'm pretty sure is a Nancy Pelosi character. Maybe. A younger lady who is definitely an AOC caricature. And then an old white guy who is a stand-in for 97% of Senate. Congress. I can. It can be both. No, because Congress includes the, the Senate. I said it can be both. And state representatives. Senate does not. I mean, he still represents 97% of the Senate, though. Okay, fair enough. And he, the older man is like, so what's good to eat here? And Nair's like, well, the tuna's really good. And So then the older woman's like, how much does that cost the taxpayers to have flown in? And he's like, oh, fresh tuna sushi. How much does that cost the taxpayers to have flown in every day? And then he goes, sandwich. And she's like, oh, I was a joke. He's like, oh, obviously, very funny. Yes. But this is the entire time. 
time, AOC's caricatures interjecting, being like, I can't believe we're wasting money on this. I can't believe we're wasting money on that. How does this help anybody? Which is, it's an obvious like caricature of AOC, but it's kind of an insulting one because yeah, they're attacking her because she she's good at what she does, not because she's like... Like most of the show is taking cheap shots at so, incompetent. Um, on a note, I have a script. Yeah. Of, of the the first draft uh, copy of the script, you can find it online. You can find scripts everything online. So the names of these Congress people are Potosi, P I T. Okay, so O S I. A Y C. So I was right. And then Shugler. I don't know who's supposed to be. A- Neither do I. I assume it's someone. I don't. I don't know who. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's just most of the shows so far have been taking like cheap shots and pot shots at like people who are obviously in some way incompetent at their job but AOC is very obviously hyper competent at her job yeah. and it's weird that they're taking pot shots at her too yeah there's like she's asking about how well this test was gonna go or whatever and he's like I mean it, it should be good I've, I have a good track record of stuff like this and she's like but this is the first one for the space force and he's like yes but it, it basically comes to yes we are spending a lot of money and this is our first test flight for space force it's also very new basically and as a, I have a history of doing stuff like this before but whatever yep so after this he has a meeting with the scientist outside because well the, their final argument here that kind of we see the end of this mm, just yeah. at the final tone before they leave because we can't end it on the note of well i have experience and i kind of know what i'm doing it's well what type of armaments do you have oh and yeah and she they, she, she like lists some lasers pulse weapons like i believe those are from star wars and she's like yeah he's like we have a kinetic destabilizer and they're like what wait, a net and they're like six billion dollars for a net which obviously the majority of the six billion dollars does not go into a giant metal net which actually you do need a good quality metal net in space if you're trying to make it last and work well but ignoring that obviously most of it's going towards launching and building a fucking rocket yeah the rocket systems are obviously way more expensive than the net system and uh in fact at a point one of the best weapon types in space would just be kinetic materials well also other than spying on the entirety of the united states do you know what one of the other large space force endeavors is uh, are we talking about the fucking rods no i'm talking about like one of their current primary missions no to clear space debris and stuff away from our, our satellites and Mm. So, like, net is obviously, like, yeah. exactly the type of stuff that they're actively working on. Yeah. You would launch a net of space debris away from the orbital field of Earth and it would be carried farther into space. Or you would keep it attached to a line or something so you could roll it One back of the in. two. Yeah. Either way, yeah, you're using nets. But you're obviously not paying $6 billion just for a net. In R&D yeah. fees for nets. I'm not defending the existence of the Space Force because it's stupid. Yes. What I am saying is $6 billion didn't go to making a net, either in this show or in real life. Yeah. Although $6 billion was probably mostly wasted because government spending is incredibly inconsistent. Yeah. But then he has a meeting with the scientists because Dr. Mallory is trying to convince him not to launch today. And he's outside at this meeting with these scientists and he's told by Dr. Chan. Played by Jimmy O. Yang, who is a fantastic, again, comedy actor. A very good comedian. His, his stand-up is great yeah. as well. That for orbital launches, they prefer humidity is around 40% and today's humidity is 54%, which is outside of the recommended range for, for an orbital launch. So they don't want to yeah and Nared's like well does anybody have a dissenting opinion anybody willing to step out of line with a popular opinion and offer some of the reasons why we should launch today just Just so so I have the pros and cons no one does except for a like he's like a maintenance guy or like janitor or some sort it's like the kind of vibe they're giving him his name is Eddie no last name to speak of to which Mally's like okay so all in pro he lists a doctor insert all these last names all the doctors here and General Nared and Eddie 
Um, but then Nerd asks what Chan has behind his back, and they make a joke about how like Nerd probably suspects it's a, a cane sword or something because yeah. he's made some racist remarks regarding Chan's nationality. Implications, no straight up remarks, but implications, yes. Um, Chan is from Ohio. Yes, but he is asked where he's originally from. You know that type of bullshit, which I acknowledge is complete bullshit and is racist, but it's not like a straight out racist call. No, when you say racist. where, but when you say where are you from, and somebody says Ohio, and then you go, but originally that's racist. Yeah, and he says that that's racist true i in a general sense yes but i do think in a situation like this which is where a lot of their scientists have been brought in from other countries and are working on different delegations mm-hmm. not necessarily but like that in the circumstance and the way it's written is supposed to be racist mm-hmm. um but he asks chan what he has behind his back and chan turns out to have an umbrella and so he goes we're doing the launch today and then walks off and mallory's like we can't do the launch today but he just ignores him he's like i can't hear you over the turbine sorry da, 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 da. he i don't think he says we're going to the launch he's like get the launch ready yeah and then he gets to the helicopter and then he gets back to his office. The Congress people are outside, but he demands Brad and the Congress people to give him five minutes by himself. And to which he then sings Kokomo. Yes, by the Beach Boys. Yes. And then when he exits the room, the Congress people are gone. So he chases them down and lets them know there is going to be a launch today. And then we cut to them doing the launch. He gives a big speech and he hits the button that's supposed to launch the rocket. And we pan down to see that it's cut. And then Mallory from his desk actually hits the launch button. Yes. And the launch the launch seems to be successful. The rocket's blasting up into the sky. We switch to the camera on the side of the rocket. Because we've pushed through the crowds and up into the upper atmosphere, so ground cameras can't see it well. But then the camera... Goes glit- dark. Yeah. And everybody's, like, trying to figure out what happened. And then Dr. Chan reports that Epsilon 6 is in orbit. Yep. And they all cheer, and it's good and happy. And we cut from there to Naird and Mallory sitting on Naird's porch with drinks and cigars. Yeah. And Mallory's just like... What, what I don't understand is, is how it turned out well. You, you don't know science. Like, you know nothing about science, but this launch went well. I don't understand how it works. And there it's like, well, I don't know science, but I know people. It's somebody like Chan who carries an umbrella when there's only two clouds in the sky. Two little clouds in the sky. He's never going to be willing to take risks. Never going to be willing to take chances. And the only way we're going to get to the moon and, and to Mars is by taking chances, taking risks. And Mallory's like, you know what? I, I, you have a point, I guess. He he does, but I hate I hate it. Yeah, and I he's hate like, that he has a point. Yeah. And he's like, hey, the uh, Epsilon 6 should be passing overhead soon. You want to see if we can see it? So they both walk forward a bit and look, and they see the lights and like, yeah. And then... Nerd looks up through a telescope and finds Epsilon 6, and then he sees a red Chinese satellite come by and essentially dismantle the solar wings on... They cut off the transceiving slash receiving dish and both solar panel wings. From the Epsilon 6. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of episode one. No. The end of episode one is, motherfucker! And then that's the start of episode two. Okay. Yeah. That, it's both the end and episode. That's the end of episode one. What are your thoughts on Spache Forte? I'm not super big into comedies. Neither in general, am I. this is funny. I don't like any of the characters, so I mean, okay, so I like Mallory. I was about to say I like Malkovich. Yeah, I like John Malkovich's character, and that's pretty much it. I think the tiny bit we see of Doctor Chan is also good as well. Mm. I think he gets stronger in episode two, but like that's obviously an episode two discussion. I'm like I said, I'm not a fan of comedies, so this show doesn't really have a lot for me. I get enough of like the politicalness from just like my addiction to doom scrolling on Twitter. Yeah, I guess. I don't really Twitter much. And so, like, watching a, a show where, where, like, all the comedy is rooted in political figures and, like... Mocking the idea of it, yeah. It just... It's not what I want to do with my free time. I don't blame you. Because I'd rather use my free time to doom scroll Twitter and, like, not have any comedy with my with my doom. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm a doom purist. I only want old traditional doom on the Commodore 64. Well, that's not really traditional doom. Like, doom did come out, but only traditional doom. No, I want my traditional doom in latveria where he is king and ruler (laughs) 
You don't want him to be have been a part of the same foundation that gave the... And I don't want his mask physically fused to him by space radiation. Oh, no? I want him to be just an insane sorcerer with incredible magic. I don't want him to like have space powers like the, like the Fantastic Four. That's stupid. Man, your doom sounds bad and boring. No, my doom is the best doom. <laughs> Oh. How about you, though? Your, your your take on Space Force Episode 1. I think it is rather funny, which is surprising because I'm not a huge comedy fan either. I also think it has, like, good comedy actors in it that I think could do well throughout the season, seasons. Yeah. The, the cast is actually incredibly strong. I hope we yeah. get more word burden. So do I. But Malkovich, like I said, is, like, always fun, especially when his character feels well worked into the story. Yeah. Steve Carell is generally kind of hit or miss for me. He's doing quite an enjoyable performance in this, in my opinion. Like, the, the thing is, this episode makes him out to be insane incompetent and then ends the episode with him actually being hyper competent yeah and i don't like that as a character i don't think it makes him out to be insanely incompetent i think it makes him out to be competent at what he's done but not entirely competent in a position of leading all of it especially makes research no scientists. sense that he's not a competent leader when he was a three-star general second in command of the air force i wasn't saying he's not a competent leader i'm saying he's not a competent leader of scientists which i think is a difference here i don't because he assumingly has not been doing work backed by scientists a lot so i could understand a a slight like split there and also given the fact that this is also a somewhat political comedy so we're going to immediately make fun of the guy in charge of using weapons who doesn't listen to scientists because that's going to be the joke here but also if we look at it as a re- from a reasonable standpoint his career up to this point from what we've been told is basically just flying planes and shooting people and telling other people where to go and how to fly to shoot and kill people it has not been listening to the scientists about how to build something i still don't like the idea of a character who's made to seem incompetent which he has made throughout this episode to seem incompetent i don't think he's made to seem incompetent i think he's made to seem like he doesn't understand what the people around him are talking about which doesn't necessarily imply incompetency i think it implies more stupidity but not incompetency you can be competent and stupid (laughs) it's not always great but it is possible i don't know if you're right i don't know if those two things go hand in hand i think a lot of stupid people are incompetent but i think you can find competent people that aren't very intelligent if you say so on to episode two i've met you so i'd say you're fairly competent you can record the second half of this by yourself Okay, so episode two, I think, is a stronger argument that he is incompetent, but we, you know, are just now getting there. And because the other guy here who didn't want to talk about the ideas of competency and competency isn't involved in this episode, I'm just going to say he's never incompetent at all. Episode two is save Epsilon 6. Really? If you don't want to record anymore, I'll just stop recording it. You, you literally just called me stupid on the podcast. I did. For, for like no reason other than that I was disagreeing with you. For a joke. It wasn't a good joke. It was hurtful. What did I do to get to... I disagreed with you, so I'm stupid. I get it. You're a Republican. My bad. If you don't like the joke, I won't leave the joke. And it was literally just meant to be a small, cheap joke was the entire point of it. No, I get it. You're a Republican. If I don't agree with your opinions, I'm stupid. See, I don't think this joke is funny. I think this joke is hilarious. I, I don't think it is. Well, obviously, because you, you don't like the fact that, you, that you're calling me stupid because you're a, a Republican. No, I just don't. I think the all Republicans think people are stupid joke is overplayed and bad and you're right. You're, you're right. They don't call people stupid anymore. It's groomer. You'd be calling me a groomer now. Do they use it the other way around? I literally don't know. Oh, so you're actually not that in touch. All I don't. I don't fucking pay attention to Twitter and what we insult and call each other. I just recognize that we have a horrible divide that's fucking absolutely bullshit, and our politics have fallen and, dead and fucking like broken down. So it's all fucking horrible. All LGBTQ people, but I don't listen to what we insult and call each other. All I just ignore LGBTQ the allies, okay, are groomers and also drag queens. Drag oh. queens are groomers too. Okay, we're all groomers. Every single one of us. That's dumb as fuck. Yes, but yeah, no, I don't. I don't pay attention. Like so, I like, you know, the, the funny thing is, I was a, I was this close to like joining back into the pod. 
podcasting because you kept going about episode two and you didn't say the title. And I was like, he hasn't said the title. He hasn't said the title. How is he going to review episode two without saying the title? Easy. You just don't say the title. As long as people know it's the second episode, that's fine. They don't need to know the names of these episodes. Yes, they do. No, they really don't. They also don't. need to know where you can legally find these shows to watch them. You can't. Netflix. For now. Till they pull this off, Netflix as yeah. well. Although they just dropped a season two, so they're really not... I was going to say they're probably not going to pull it off anytime soon, but uh, who knows? It's Netflix. I have no idea. Okay. So episode two picks up right where episode one left off. But instead of Steve Carell saying motherfucker now, it's Mallory who looks through the telescope and yep. looks up and sees the Rush- the Chinese satellite. I thought it was a Russian satellite. That is my assumption because like the way it was portrayed, it did seem like Yuri was trying to attempt to steal information. And, and also like, Nared- I, I know China, like their one of their primary colors is red. Yeah, but it's like red and I guess red and white. Yeah. And the satellite, the spaceship was red and white. I guess Russia's typically red and gold. Yeah, but like my brain was like, oh, red, red scare, red satellite. They're, they've been seeing all these things about Russia this entire yeah, time. Like Russia was kind of made to be the enemy here. He was like, well, I don't want to work with Yuri. I don't like the fact that our president is encouraging it. I don't like the fact that I go turn over information to Yuri. Yuri's trying to fuck my daughter who's still in high school. I don't like Yuri was kind of the vibe of it. I don't think Yuri was trying to fuck his daughter. I think Yuri has zero interest in his daughter in all actuality. No, I I agree. I was obviously... In in fact... I think Yuri, as a character, we'll find out, is gay. I can be down with that. I think Yuri is gay. It would make sense. I mean, he does ice skate. Oh, did it? Does it? Oh, no. That's an anime joke. Yuri on ice. Which is apparently a very gay anime that I haven't watched, so I probably should, because, man, do I love those anime. So. And sapphic comedy. Mallory and Nerd rush off to Space Force Command. To try to save Epsilon 6. And when they get there. Well, so they rush off, and as they're leaving, Mallory's just like, are you okay to drive? Because I've been drinking, you know, to celebrate. He's just like, nothing sobers me up like foreign aggression. So they tear off, and as they leave, up pulls Yuri and Nerd's daughter, whose name I honestly do not remember. I just know he affectionately calls her Bug. And so music's busting his call. They pull up, and she's like, I have to go inside to work on homework. And he's like, I could come in with you, and we could finish this alcohol. And she's just like, no, my dad's probably, and he's like, I, I don't see him. She's like, her name is Aaron. Aaron's like, I don't see him. I assume he's hiding in wait." to pounce on me because I'm late. And he's just like, well, okay, I guess. And she gets out and leaves, and then he takes off. And in classic movie slash television fashion, music is blaring from the outside of his car when he pulls up. We do not see him at any point turn his radio down, but there is no music in his car. And as he leaves, there is music outside his car, which just implies to me he has speakers, but only on the outside of his car to cause a disturbance. Um, I think the actual implication is he turned it down so he could have a conversation with Aaron. But what I'm saying is- And then when he drove off, he turned it back up. What I'm saying is there was no point because we have music all the way up because we push in initially we have music all the way up until we push in and we see his hands on the wheel and the moment we push in his yeah. hands have not moved so that's because his steering column has like the buttons to control the radio i mean his hands have not moved at all including those things that are on his hand and oh, part of his hands the, called fingers it's, it's because they're on the back of the steering wheel so you can just go click 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 so he doesn't sure, so whatever. You, yeah but then Nairn and Mallory arrive at the Space Force base and they find out from the other scientists at the base that they have 10 hours or so before Epsilon 6 fully degrades from orbit and comes crash landing back to Earth. Well, from what they were saying, I'm not sure if it's all of Epsilon or just its solar panels that are collapsing back into Earth, but either way, it is fucked in 10 hours. Yeah, so the, the scientists all begin brainstorming ideas and starting to discuss ways to attempt to reattach the solar panels to the open couplings, because apparently when the Chinese satellite detached the things, they didn't, like, break them, they just gingerly detached them from the, the mounts where they go. They appeared to have cut them, and the way it was cut, they it was already in its open position, so there was basically the cables in both end are live. 
they just need to be reconnected and because of the way they were cut they can be attached back together and it should work yeah there's some more racist stuff here from Nerd where he like calls out a Belgian scientist for being mm-hmm. Belgian and well he, he doesn't make fun of him for being Belgium not initially the guy suggests an idea that Nerd does not understand so he mocks it and then he asks where the guy's from and the guy says Belgium and he's like oh well let's not take any more ideas from Belgium after all Belgium doesn't even have a space, space force. force and Mallory says like well they're part of the EU and the EU has a space agency that they all work with so it, it didn't start off as insulting Belgium to make he wasn't starting he wasn't insulting the guy for being Belgium he then just used the fact that he didn't like he, he does it afterwards but like my point was he didn't insult the guy initially because he was Belgium yeah no, no 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 he discovered a thing and then used it as yeah, yeah. a bullying as, tactic yeah, yeah I get it it's still not good they then do some brainstorming they come up with some ideas the most likely idea that they begin to discuss is bomb no the most likely idea they begin to discuss bomb is using the solar cells from epsilon 6 and finding a way to manipulate light to hit the cells to, to maneuver them back onto the satellite as small little light cells to push them up yes yes and Nair does suggest a bomb because this is in his tie with the air force most things were solved with bombs so he has to be someone has to explain to him bombs don't work very well in space and he's like well the concussive waves there are no concussive waves it's space see i think i, I i'm actually gonna side with nerd on this one i think he's right yeah i think the concussive wave of a bomb could be used in this situation yeah because they're in low they're, they're in low yeah orbit. they're in very low orbit technically you should be able to provide enough to vaguely push things mm-hmm. like and honestly his first argument about a small bomb wouldn't work that well but a larger in atmosphere bomb would work you just need to hit the low areas of the atmosphere mind you it'd be a lot harder to gauge the calculations to make sure they don't go flying off or move in the right direction but arguably i think it should work there in the low atmosphere you are correct yeah like i know that technically the scientists are right but like we also know most satellites don't really like they're not too far from low atmosphere so they exist in low atmosphere while they're doing this um brainstorming session they're like looking at the resources they have around them like yes in by around them i mean around epsilon six what Mm -hmm. what satellites and stuff do the u.s have access to around epsilon six it's basically all space junk yeah no there's three pieces of space junk and a tesla yes and then a secret project i'm pretty sure i said space junk and then a secret project that dr chan doesn't have access to to like list as an asset for them to use so Nerd log uses his credentials to get past the clearance. Yes. And it turns out it's a mission that Mallory and Nerd worked on. Directly because the president asked for it. Which, which was to put a bunch of guns into space. To make sure they would work. And Mallory's like, which of course they do because nobody had any question of whether or not they did. Because guns are self-contained systems. But now Winchester Arms can say their R9 is the official gun of the Space Force. You know, it's actually, he, he makes a really good point. Nobody was... Like, nobody argues whether space guns work in space because they are self-contained systems. Yeah, we're arguing about their efficacy in space because you are using a violently fast projectile that also creates a small amount of heat and pressure in another self-contained system well, that think, is very, very fragile. I think the really, really important thing about bullets in space is that if you fire your bullet and miss, it's not stopping and it's not yes. slowing down. Yeah. So at some point in the future, that becomes a problem for somebody else. Yes. But I guess this is America we're talking about. We don't about. care about problems for other people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also on this flight was a monkey and a dog. Because they thought it would be like good PR to have- get cute videos of a chimp in a space suit in space and a dog in a space suit in space. To which uh, we are later showing a small video and it is adorable. It the, is, monkey's, the monkey is playing cute. fetch with the husky and the husky in catches zero G, it. Yeah. And it tumbles backwards in zero G and it's happy and it's barking and squeaking the toy. Adorable. So then Nerd's like, oh, well the monkey and the dog fix it. Yes. Give me the person that trained them. 
Yeah. So they get the guy and the guy's like, that sounds impossible. That's a lot of tasks. I don't have anything to reinforce it with. But because comedy show, we get through that. And actually, we are having the monkey do it. And there's a lot of stuff we could skip here. Like the highlights of this is that we find out that monkeys eat babies, mm-hmm. human babies and monkey babies. Yep. And that the monkey Theodore. Marcus. Theodore is the husky. Yeah, the, the monkey Marcus wants a baby as a snack and is really tired of like the pellet monkey food yeah. he has. So he's promised baby as a snack if he cooperates. They get him to get out of the cage, put on his helmet. And then spend like six hours getting him to pick up the right tool. Yes, because the only way they have trained him to pick up a tool is if they shine a laser at a tool, he will pick it up and manipulate it in some form. Basically, the laser's point is, here's this thing to pick up. Ooh, look at it. And his helmet has the laser, like, set up with his eye line. But he has to look at it long enough for the laser to go off, and he will not look at this drill for, like, six hours. So eventually, he looks at the drill, picks it up, and they get him to open the satellite that they're in and go out on a spacewalk. Mm-hmm. which I'll get to it later. So he goes out on the spacewalk. We hear them all cheer, and then we cut over to a different conference room where we see that Dr. Yamamoto and two other scientists who are working on the... And Dr. Mallory, who went to join them when they decided to do the monkey thing because he got pissed off. And they're working on a solar cell idea. Dr. Mallory hears the truth. like, oh, they got the fucking monkey out of the thing. So he runs in to see, and he's like, oh, it's actually kind of working. Because the monkey grabs both of the... Um, sol- Floating panels. Both of the solar panels, and is like drifting towards the satellite with them. And he eventually reaches a fin and they communicate that he should grab onto the fin. But then he lets go of the solar panel to grab the fin. And they're like, no, you have to grab both. And they eventually go to do it and grab the drill. And he starts to freak out. They calm him down. Because he goes into a rage. He's like, they're telling him to grab the fin via sign language. And they're like, no, 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 grab the, grab the, um, yeah. grab the solar panel. They're telling him to do a lot of things at once. And he's not very good at high level complex problem solving in a situation like that. So he starts banging on the satellite. Eventually they calm him down, like you said. And they get him to line them up. We have a connection established. And he's getting ready to put the drill in when Dr. Mallory tells them to wait. But they're too late to communicate with the monkey who starts the drill. And because it's a, a drill and he is not bracing himself on anything. Or anchored to anything. And we are in a zero-G environment. He starts to spin rapidly. And they eventually communicate that the monkey should let go of the drill. And it does. But it's been torn away from its tether because it was spinning at high speeds. And tore the tether. And when he goes flying off, he also knocks off the panel that he was trying to attach mm-hmm. and i think as dr chan lets them know that he should be on a destination course of the sun and should be there in about a week a week and a half he yeah. says yeah and so Nair gives a speech about how this monkey's a hero and he he di- he's going to die a hero and he's like fuck it he's not gonna die we're gonna save him and he's like how much would it cost to save him and they're like 30 it was 50 to 400 million yeah and he's like never mind we'll give him me- we'll give him medal he's an animal he can't get a medal which is wrong animals have gotten medals before in the mil- in the u.s military services or well, whatever he represents comedy the- he represents the best in all of us he he was a true spaceman yeah and then he's like ah, fuck it let's try the dog so and- they put the camera on the dog and there's just a floating husky tail and they reason that at some point marcus got hungry and bored and ate the dog yes <laughs> then there's like I just said he he represented the best in all of us. I take that all back. Fuck the monkey. No medals. No medals. And then we see that, oh, there's a giant space satellite. It's the Chinese one. And they pick up Theodore. Yep. They pick up Marcus. Yep. Then Nerd's like, well, what about the solar cell idea? Can't we do that? And Mallory's like, well, not, not anymore. Because now the cells are past the satellite. And there's no way for us to get 
to pull them back towards us. Yeah. And then Ned's like, I wish we had a tractor beam like in Star Trek. And Mallory's like, those aren't real. And he's like, I know. But the, I feel like the fact that he has to establish that Mallory felt the needs to establish that they're not real does reinforce the kind of point of this entire episode, which is Nerd knows fucking nothing about science. And like every instance throughout this episode specifically, when someone tries to explain something to him about science, he actively ignores it. Because he's a boomer. Yes. That's pretty much the end of the whole space thing. Yeah, we had like two scenes where like his daughter was trying to do math. Her grandpa calls her at some point because we also got his parents in the first episode. His dad's mental state is deteriorated. His mother definitely has dementia. It's sad, but whatever. It's all like C line plot, D line plot. Yeah, it was literally just interrupt his phone call with the Congress people to make them slightly more upset. His daughter is technically the B plot, but his his parents are like D or E plot. They're Mm -hmm. so extraneously irrelevant to the actual show. But then Nerd goes back to his office. Yeah, and he pours himself a drink, but then he gets a call from, well, no, he gets a call from the Secretary of Defense and says he'll take it in his office. So he goes back to his office, take it, pours himself a drink, and And the Secretary's like, just heard about Epsilon 6. And he's like, yep, I will tender my resignation to the President tomorrow morning. I tried to do the rescue operation myself. It all Um, went sideways. I'll tender my resignation. It's all good. And the Secretary of Defense is just like, you sound like you've been up for like days without sleep. I feel like you're being too hard on yourself, man. Just like, go home, rest, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. And so, the pilot from the first episode in the helicopter, who he snapped at and he'd gifted a pineapple on a note later like apologies for snapping yeah gives him a ride home and they kind of like connect over like essentially working yourself to a point yeah where you can't work anymore that's what they connect over she also learns military secrets she should not be aware of like the fact that there was a monkey and a dog in the space and now the monkey is a pow of the chinese government and that the husky was eaten by the monkey and that epsilon six has been damaged and is going to crash back down She's told a bunch of things that she probably shouldn't yeah. have been told. And then he gets home and his daughter's asleep at the kitchen table because she went to, she fell asleep trying to work on her trigonometry homework. Yeah. He wakes her up. They do the homework together. Ah, happy ending. End of yep. episode. Done. So what are your thoughts on Space Force overall? I mean, it's a fine comedy. Yeah. I wouldn't watch any more of it. I don't know. Comedies have to like have like a personable like aspect to hook me. My favorite sitcom of all time is Scrubs. Yeah. And it's not because of the, the humor, although it is very funny. It's because I care about the characters. Makes sense. And... In this show, I do not care about the characters at all. Understandable. So, I yeah, I wouldn't watch anymore. But, I mean, it's, it's a fine comedy show. If you like pointless comedies like The Office, <sighs> you'll probably enjoy this. I'm sorry that I just enraged every person that likes The Office, but... I mean, The Office isn't great. It's kind of a mid-show. It's funny, but that's it. Yeah. I Supposedly, the characters grow on you over time, but, like... I've got no clue. I don't... I don't watch The Office either. Wasn't a fan. Yeah. Though I think probably for me, my biggest complaint with The Office was the uh, the cinematography. Fair. But yeah, this show's funny. It's just not for me. I would recommend it if you like just sitcoms, which is what this is. Yeah. If you, especially if you like, like political sitcoms, which is also what this is. For me though, not my flavor. Would not come back. I like the actors. I like the cast. Just wish it had more character. How about you? I agree. I think the show is funny. I would agree on all of those points, but because I am more willing to watch a sitcom that's not as personable, but I don't think... I would watch this show actively. I think, to me, it is a throw-on for background noise level sitcom. Yeah, but I have so many podcasts I could just throw on in the background instead. I don't. I'm basically caught up on all the podcasts I listen to. I have so except much wrestling for, content I could just throw on in the background instead. Yeah, except for one podcast I listen to, but I actively listen to that podcast because it's informative and it's yeah. like information I like learning, and thus I don't like it as a background podcast. It is, hey, I'm at work, and my work is a background thing. I'll listen to this podcast. Fair enough. So I don't really have anything like that. So like, that is like, I will throw the... I could see myself watching, air 
quotes. More of this show, but like it's really just on in the background while like playing a video game or some shit. And occasionally I'll hear something and probably mildly chuckle at best. Yeah, like the you're, you're the Navy. There's no water in space. There, there's no water, so your opinion doesn't matter. Joke. That was yeah. That was a mild chuckle. But yeah, I that's where I'm sitting on it. I I think if you like workplace comedies or sick or like political sitcoms, this might be for you. But uh, this doesn't got enough like character personality to it for me. I can see that. Yeah. Got anything else about for it? No, no, I did not. Well, before we give our normal call to actions, I do just want to let you know season two of this show dropped on Netflix in February. It's all on there right now. That's so, how Netflix normally works. So if you are interested in watching Space Force, season one and two are both on Netflix, which you can watch if you have your own account and don't share passwords because they're cracking down on password sharing. And yeah, so Netflix, that's your option. Woo. Or yar har har, but I didn't say that. What? No. But if you want to reach out to us and give us suggestions for other flights, other ideas of shows we can review, your comments on Space Force, your comments on the actual Space Force. Your comments on the horrible state of our politics at the moment. I don't want those. I don't want those comments. I would assume most people listening to us probably agree with our political views, but also I don't want to deal with it anyways. Or if you have like very strong opinions of the office and we upset you, uh, you can email I also don't want to hear those ones either. You can reach us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at copilotsreview or on hive at copilot review you also find links to both our twitter our email our discord our youtube all of that over on our website at copilotsreview.symbolcast.com and don't forget if you leave a review we will read that out on the air uh, as a shout out if your review is five stars or higher yeah that's the thing we may remember to check for definitely yeah, yep. I, i've recently checked that but if you want to reach out to us there's a myriad of ways to do it reviews email twitter but however you want to reach out for us reach out to us we'll just see you on the next flight so thanks again and please fly again soon.